0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Every one of you this evening do trust that this is a time of edification where we are built up on the Word of God where we are encouraged, uh, consoled, made ready and made fit for every good work. Uh, This evening we stand upon the word of God, which is without error and true and sufficient for our life and for godliness. Let's bow our heads as we come to the reading and the teaching from it. Father God, we have sung. Speak, speak, O Lord, we, your church, are listening, listening as your word is read, listening carefully as your word is taught, Lord, with hearts that are receptive and ready to receive, which minds, Lord God, that we are praying that your Holy Spirit will renew hearts, Lord, that we ask you would stir to new affections and lives that we ask you would transform from one degree of glory to the next. Lord God, this evening would you speak that we, your people, might be built up in the most holy faith, readied for every good work. This we pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, amen. Friends, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians. We have been in the book of 1 Corinthians for a very long time. For those of you that are visiting us, maybe for the first time, uh, it is our practice to preach consecutively through books and from the verses therein, precept upon precept, line upon line. Here a little, there a little, that we might grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We're in chapter 14, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Might have helped if I said that, (laughs) eh? You guys could have got there a little bit quicker. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. I think most of you have found it. I'm going to read from God's Word, and then I'm going to teach from this passage I'm reading to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning at the 20th verse, and I'll read through to the 40th verse. Hear the word of God. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Well, prophecy is a sign not for, believers, but for, uh, not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and an outsider or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds, <laughs> But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God really is among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, Let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, women should keep silent in the churches, For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order just so far in the reading of God's word (laughs) where do you start with a passage like this let me ask you a question does God care about how we worship let me tell you a story There were two sons, two brothers, Nahab, Nadab, sorry, and Abihu. And they were sons of Aaron, the high priest, Moses' brother. They, They came from an important family, a priestly family, and they were important men. They were two of the leaders of Israel who came before the Lord. Together with their father, Moses, and the 70 elders of Israel, they saw the God of Israel. But do you know what they are best known for? Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their senses, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered. Unauthorized fire, strange fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. They offered strange fire. They worshiped God in a way He had not prescribed, so God consumed them. They died before the Lord. Why did the Lord put Nadab and Abihu to death? The next verse in Leviticus 10, verse three. Moses, this is their uncle, then said to Aaron, the high priest who is their father, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all people. I will be honored. God requires, God demands to be served honorably. Does God care about how we worship him? Well, apparently so. (laughs) So the wise worshiper this evening, you right now sitting in your seat, should be asking the question, how ought I to worship God? Am I left to my own devices? Guessing what may or may not Anger him, guessing what may or may not please him? Or has he given instructions, prescriptions, commands, how he will and will not be worshipped by those who would worship him in spirit and in truth? Well, good news is... (laughs) He has given us instructions throughout the New Testament. God regulates his church 's worship in 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 14, uh, chapter fourteen, verse 20 to forty. Paul describes what acceptable worship looks like. Our worship service must evangelize the lost. Our worship service must edify the saints. Our worship service must reflect creation order and our worship service must be regulated by scripture. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 20 to verse 40, Paul describes what acceptable worship looks like. And his first point is that our worship service must evangelize the lost. Read with me in your own Bibles or right behind me. Brothers, Ancestors, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Verse 20. Grow up. <laughs> Concerning spiritual gifts, but particularly with the miraculous gift of tongues in mind. God gifted the church in Corinth with so much that they were playing winks with the spiritual gifts. Grow up, Paul is saying. Verse 21, in the law, it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Paul, yeah, is quoting Isaiah chapter 28 verse 11 and 12. In that passage, the northern kingdom of Israel has sinned against God, and so God has brought judgment on them. The Assyrians have conquered them and have taken them into exile. They have become foreigners in a foreign land. And strange tongues are spoken by the lips of foreigners all around them. And it is a sign of God's judgment against them. God is speaking to them through their circumstances, but they still refuse to listen. The northern kingdom of Israel was a stiff-necked, rebellious, unbelieving lot. Verse 22. Thus, therefore, tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign, not for unbelievers, but for believers. What are tongues? We spent a a whole sermon last week looking at what tongues are. I'd encourage you to go back if you haven't heard it, uh, looking at chapter 14, verse one to verse 19. Uh, But the gift of tongues really is the miraculous speaking in a human language that the speaker has never learnt before. What is prophecy? Prophecy is the declaration, miraculously, of that which cannot be known by natural means. Now, prophecy can have an element of foretelling in it, the the revelation of what is still to come. But prophecy is always forth declaring God's truth to God's people in God's power. In Isaiah 28, the strange tongues of the Assyrians were a sign to the unbelieving Jews. In Acts chapter 2, we looked at that last week, the miraculous gift of tongues spoken on the day of Pentecost was a sign to unbelieving Jews. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the miraculous gift of signs must be a sign to unbelievers. Pointing hard hearts to God, whereas prophecy is for believers, building one heart's up in the faith, verse 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, the outsider or the unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convinced by all. He's called to account by all. The, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. If tongues are not understood, they are not useful for evangelism. In fact, it has the opposite effect. It is just a confusing Of noise that has no meaning. No one is going to get saved because no one can get saved. No good news is being proclaimed because nothing is being said with understanding. But prophetic forthtelling is always useful for both edification and for evangelism. The declaration of God's truth to God's people in God's power. Prophecy can build up and prophecy can confront. This is my testimony in a nutshell or part of it. As an unbeliever, Lisel, dragged me to church on Sundays. Church after church after church. I was so stiff-necked, so rebellious. We went to a couple of Shamila Hamila churches um, with the pastor in the front declaring (laughs) Shabaka Rabaka or whatever it might be, and it just caused me to frown. But when I heard the preaching of God's word, I was confronted with my sinful state before holy God. And I was cut to the heart. And I remember crying out in a church of 20. It must have looked weird (laughs) because I was in tears and distraught, crying out to God for relief. And I remember that He gave it to me in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Friends, our worship must evangelize the lost, even as we go about edifying the saints. We must speak to unbelievers in a language that they can understand. We must address the issues of their heart. We must offer Jesus Christ as the only hope for sinners. Our worship service must evangelize the lost. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, from verse 20 through to verse 40, Paul describes what acceptable worship looks like. Our worship service must at first evangelize the lost. Number two, our worship service must edify the saints. Read verse 26 together with me. What then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Everything about our worship service must be about building up, edifying. And so the Word of God must be at the center of all that we do. Before the church had the closed canon of Scripture, revelatory gifts were necessary. How else would Christians know God's will? But now God's revelation is complete. In God's word, the revelatory gifts are no longer needed and we do not see them in operation in the same way as in the New Testament. Our worship service must edify the saints. We must be orderly. We must strive for understanding. We must test everything and we must exercise self-control. Read verse 27 together with me. If any, speak in a tongue, Let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. First, we must be orderly. How different this picture is to what we see today. The music gets slower and softer, and someone takes the lights out of the sockets, The keyboard just holds the notes for a little longer while playing on the strings and the worship leader encourages the crowd to raise their hands and their voices to the Lord in prayer and the crowd starts to matter prayers as you begin hearing strange tongues filling the room. The crowd gets swept up in an emotionally charged worship experience and Paul says, no two or three at most, and each in turn. It's not simpler than that. Order is important for communication. And communication is critical for edification. And Paul wants you to be edified. Our worship must edify the saints. And so we must be orderly. And we must strive for understanding. Read verse 28 together with me. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Second, we must strive for understanding. There must be an interpreter or who knows what is being said. No interpreter, no tongue. Shut up and sit down. (laughs) Interpretation is important for understanding. And understanding is critical for edification. Paul wants you to be edified. Our worship service must edify the saints. We must be orderly. We must strive for understanding and we must test everything, including what I am saying to you tonight. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak. And let the others weigh what is said. Third, we must test everything. Weigh everything said. Paul says in another place, test everything, hold fast to what is good. And John, the apostle says, beloved, do not believe every evil spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Right truth is important for right belief. And right belief is critical for edification. And Paul wants you to be edified. Our worship service must edify the saints. We we must be orderly. We must strive for understanding. We must test everything and we must exercise self-control. Verse 30 to 33. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Fourth, we must exercise self-control. Self-control is a fruit Of the spirit, the ability to control oneself. It involves moderation and constraint. Why exercise self control? Because you want all to learn, you want all to be encouraged. You can exercise self control because you operate the gifts. The gifts do not operate you. Self control is important for order. And order is critical for edification. And Paul wants you edified. Friends, our worship service must edify the saints. Everything about our worship service, must be about building up, about edifying. And so the word of God must be at the center of all we do. And so we must be orderly, strive for understanding, test everything and exercise self-control. Our worship service must edify the saints. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, from verse 20 through to verse 40, Paul describes what acceptable worship looks like. Our worship service must evangelize the lost. Our worship service must edify the saints. And our worship service must reflect creation order. Read together with me the second half of verse 33 to the end of verse 35. As in all the churches of the saints... The women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. When I first read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, (laughs) <laughs> from verse 20 to verse 40, I worried that this passage would be tough to explain. But it's not. The meaning is clear. We are not going to have a problem understanding 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 33 to verse 40, uh, 35. Our problem may be interpretation. Our problem Maybe application, our problem certainly will not be understanding. Over the course of this last week, I went and I read a number of commentaries on this passage. I'm amazed by how inventive people can be when they are insistent to explain away the plain teaching of God's word. God's word is clear and God's word is written to be understood. Paul starts by saying, this isn't just for the church in Corinth. This is for all churches of the saints. And all means all. All means the church in Jerusalem. All means the church in Antioch, all means the church in Ephesus, all means the church in Rome, all means the church in Timbuktu, and all means the church in Pretoria too. What does all mean in the Greek? (laughs) All means all. (laughs) This is important. Paul is not correcting a colloquial church issue. Like this applies to the church in Corinth and nowhere else. Paul lays down a universal principle that applies to all churches in all places through all of time. What is the universal principle in this passage? Women should keep silent in the churches. What does that mean, keep silent? Does it mean that women can't sing in a worship team? Can't publicly read from God's word. Well, it's true. Some take it that way. And this is certainly a restriction on participation. But I don't think it has that level of restrictiveness in mind. Paul has been addressing two spiritual gifts within the context of the worship service. Tongues and prophecy. Paul's been speaking about how prophecy, the forth of God's word to God's people and God's power is to be ordered in the church. And now he addresses the issue of who's responsible for the proclamation of that word, preaching. And his answer is that role is reserved for men. God has ordered his world and he has ordered his church Men and women who are created equal have different roles assigned to them by God. It isn't a matter of lesser and greater. Red and blue are different colors. One is not greater than the other, but they are used for different purposes. Together, they complement each other, filling our world with brilliant color. Nobody wants to live in a blue world blue houses, the little blue windows and blue corvettes, and everything is just blue. <laughs> no, we live in a multi-colored world where each created color plays its particular role to God's praise and glory. So it is with gender. Male and female complement one another. And when we work together, sticking to our lanes, God-designated assignments, everything flourishes. Society flourishes, churches flourish, nations flourish. So, what about Beth Moore? What about Joyce Myers? What about Paula White? Their doctrine aside for a moment, let's concede they are expert communicators, and they are called pastors by the churches they serve in. Is there an exception for exceptionally gifted women teachers? No. All churches is all churches. And Paul doesn't make exceptions, and that's not too difficult to understand from this text. And he makes a case for it. He, he says that this is as the law also says, the old testament stands as witness to what Paul commands a commentator notes there was never a female priest there was never an authorized female ruler queen in either the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom there was never a female prophet with an ongoing prophetic ministry like Elijah or Elisha no book in the old testament was written by a woman No extended portion of an Old Testament book was written by a woman. And that isn't too difficult to understand from this text. And the New Testament does not depart from the Old Testament. The 12 apostles were all men all pastors mentioned were men all elders mentioned were men no book in the new testament was written by a woman no sermon recorded in the new testament was preached by a woman and that isn't too difficult to understand from this text but what about 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 to 16 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 to 16 we are told that there will be times when women must pray not during the corporate worship service but as we fellowship there will be opportunities to preach proclaim give testimony this will happen in small group bible studies as ladies teach ladies or in prayer meetings or in social gatherings there will be times when it will be appropriate for women women who are excellent and gifted to teach to do just that and when that happens it's right that it happens Praying means that you're speaking to God about people. Prophesying means that you're speaking to people about God. In fact, as we read the gospel account, so often it is the women who are on the front line sharing their faith. The women at the well to the Samaritans, Mary to the disciples, Priscilla to Apollo. The bearers of good news are so often women. All of us, men and women, are called to pray. And all of us, men and women, are called to communicate the truth of the gospel. But in the corporate worship service, God's word in the Old Testament, God's apostle Paul, the writer of the New Testament, would have men leading God's church according to the way that God has ordered his own world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, from verse 20 to verse 40, Paul describes what acceptable worship looks like. Our worship service must evangelize the lost. Our worship service must edify the saints. Our worship service must reflect something of creation order. And our worship service must be regulated by scripture. Read from verse 36 with me. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this he is not recognized. Paul closes with two sarcastic rhetorical questions and a biting statement. Was it from you that the word Of God came? The answer is obviously no. God's word wasn't written by the church in Corinth. It was to be delivered and believed by the church in Corinth. Or are you the only ones it has reached? The answer is again, obviously no. God's word is spread abroad, and all the churches had a common practice in this regard. The church in Corinth must pattern itself according to the standard. The standard will not be patterned on the church in Corinth. The church of 2023 must be patterned according to the words of Scripture. Scripture will not be patterned according to the church in 2023. Paul then plainly declares that the things he is writing to you are a command. Of the Lord. This is scripture. This is binding. This isn't a suggestion from a church planter. This is a command from an apostle, the very words of God. Our Sunday gathering is an orchestrated affair. Other passages of scripture inform us of the elements which are regulated in our worship service. While elements of biblical worship may take different forms from church to church, great care will be taken to ensure that we don't go beyond the elements which are given. We assemble to read God's word. We come together to sit under the preaching of God's word. We come together to pray God's word. We come together to sing God's word. We come together to see God's word in the ordinances of the Lord's table and of baptism. And we come together to give towards the promotion of God's word. Scripture gives specific guidelines for conducting corporate worship services. And churches must not add anything to those guidelines. And like the Corinthians, we must be willing to adjust our practices to fit into what is appropriate and pleasing to God. Final words. So my brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Paul concludes where he began In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, he encouraged the church in Corinth to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. He has spent the chapter explaining the proper use of each gift within the Corinthian context. Now in closing, he repeats the main principle, which has been the thread throughout this section. All things should be done decently and in order. In 1 Corinthians 14, from verse 20 to verse 40, Paul describes what acceptable worship looks like. Our worship must evangelize the lost. Our worship must service must edify the saints. Our worship service must reflect creation order. Our worship service must be regulated by Scripture. May we be worshippers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Well, thank you, Lord, for giving us your word and thank you that it is faithful and true and upon it, we can build our our lives and our testimonies. It's sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. And thank you, Lord, that it's understandable, it's clear. We can read it and it makes sense. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave the question of how we ought to be worshiping our God, to chance. But rather, Lord God, you give us a pattern that we might follow. Lord, in a world which has no love for you, no desire to serve you or to worship you or to credit you in any way, might your church, your people, who have been called out of this world and sanctified, worship you in spirit and in truth that you might receive much praise and glory in this life, even as you will receive praise and glory forever and ever in the life to come. This we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za